0: Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio Interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast.
1: Well, in the topsy-turvy world of live radio, sometimes you get a no-show. And we got one of those, Travis Warren, who is... A really good friend of mine who's supposed to come on i think he's on an island or something like this and he is not here so i am going to just talk about what i've been thinking a lot about lately which is uh i've been mentioning it a couple times on tnt that i've been working on this book waking up really early in the morning and just getting into writing what i'm writing about is creative freedom essentially it's it's trying to i guess kind of a self-help book but um in the writing of it i realized that it's sort of self-help is inextricably linked to spirituality and um and just becoming a free person and overcoming sort of demonic strongholds and it veers in the as i said in that last story about my bikram yoga class it 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 veers into talking about god because it's difficult not to um this morning i was writing about the concept of being born again and how um when you know a few years ago and all throughout my life if i heard somebody say they were born again i would have thought they were crazy that was born again was code for a religious lunatic and um you know and there's a lot of people that claim to be born again but they go on acting in sort of ways that don't that that would betray that label um and so obviously you know it's a problematic concept but like the story I was relaying about my two and a half year old who's in the world now and she's literally automatically just been born. So essentially born again, I guess. You know, the world is completely new to her, you know, and she's pointing to everything. What's this? What's this? What's this? And it's this incredible adventure, everything. And it's, uh, and the, what happens to us on our journey is, um, you know, typically I think we get sort of traumatized by, by, uh, our upbringing it happens to all of us our parents do the best they can but that's usually not good enough i mean young says the needs of the child can't possibly be met by the parent and i think that's true for most people and what happens is we develop these egos and so the ego is the center driving force of our lives and we go and we go and we go and we go and the ego uh its tactics lead to these lives of self-destruction of distraction of sin of uh you know hitting a cheap dopamine source and this that and the other and then we come up with schemes and we're going to do better and we beat ourselves up because we don't do better and it's kind of a losing battle because what we're doing is we're taking advice from the very thing that got us into this mess or in aa they say my best thinking got me here Uh, And I think that's pretty funny and astute observation. So how do we go beyond our thinking? There's only presence. And so the concept of being born again is when you flip from an egocentric life or a life led by thoughts into a life led by presence. So if you're sort of the percentages are I'm 90% thought based, I'm 90% identifying with the swirling thoughts in my head and I'm. Ten percent of the time present. That's I think that's even a generous amount of presence for what most people are dealing with here. I think most people are ninety nine percent in their thoughts, and every once in a while they're actually present. They're like, "Wait, this is weird. What's going on?" And then they have like this sense of presence. But if you practice presence and you start observing your thoughts, and you also then have to forgive and do all kinds of other work to even quiet your mind enough to become aware of your thoughts and you start working on being in presence as your home base a shift can happen to where presence becomes your sort of overriding reality and then the ego is here and there like 10 percent of the time so the the percentage completely inverts and to me that's what being born again is and it's a wonderful thing if you can if you can sort of get to that space because life is always happening in the now moment it's not happening in the past and the future and you can recognize if you're lost in thoughts by are you thinking of the past or are you thinking of the future because to be here now is actually kind of like a difficult work but anyway so that that's like that's the riff of this book i'm working on and i think it's fun and it's uh it's it's great to work on something and it's great to be like liberated enough creatively to think you know i've got something to say and i want to say it and it really doesn't matter so i i just want to encourage everybody if you have a a, a desire that you keep wanting to get after but somehow hold yourself back from over and over and over again investigate working on just being present and allowing you know, and I'm going to say the G word, the light of God to sort of work through you and heal you, because that's the other thing about when you shift to that operating system of presence is then his light comes in and he starts doing work that's beyond our human understanding. And with that, my next guest is arrived and his name is Lit Analyzer. This guy's one of my favorite guests that ever come on this show. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to have him, of course um and I just looked at his YouTube page real quick to see if I could riff off of something that he had uh analyzed recently his um analyzing capabilities are next level uh and of course uh his latest uh his latest subject is one of my favorite movies of all time Point Break but I didn't think I could really riff on Point Break for <laughs> 10 minutes As much as I love it, I probably could. But I'll tell you what, Bayes lit definitely can. So without further ado, Bayes, what's going on with Point Break? Why is it the greatest movie of all time?
2: And dude, thank you for coming on the show hey sir good to see you uh so good to see you and yeah i'm i knew that you would love point break <laughs> because it's also my favorite movie of all time Dude, it's the greatest movie <laughs> i mean i just riffed on it for this three shirt hours. i'm wearing like, could be a point play.
1: break shirt this is a point break yeah. theme that i didn't even know like
2: this i think keanu wore this shirt in the, one of the scenes yeah, yeah it's so good <laughs> it's uh it's it's so good and um I think that it's a, it's an incredibly complex movie. It's it was very successful, and it's a classic for a number of reasons. I mean, uh, I sort of figured out in live time, you know, during the stream that that uh, one of the reasons it was successful is because it was targeted at people like me. I mean, I was ten years old when the movie came out, and even though it's an R movie and it's for adults and it's sort of cla- you know, classic, it really was aimed at at a at a really young audience it's the sort of same thing with uh predator i did predator um yesterday and uh it's the sort of thing where you watch it when you're young when you're a young man and you want to be in the movie you know and i think that it's it's it also delineates the 80s from the 90s and in this huge cultural shift part of the movie is like responsible for that but it, it reflects the way that culture changed from the mo- even from Hollywood, you know, the movies of the eighties into the nineties. And it's directed by Catherine Bigelow, who was married to Jim Cameron and point break and terminator two came out at the same time in 1991, both summer, 1991 movies. And it's, it's crazy to think that those two were together. They, the, both of these movies came out and they both sort of mark an end of the eighties in every sense and a beginning of what the nineties became with extreme sports Different culture, different hairstyles, different music. All right. What do you I think? see?
1: I was just, well, I was just about to ask you how they did that. And then you quickly answered how they did that hairstyles, extreme sports. There's a lot of interesting stuff in Point Break, just like sort of like perusing it in my mind right now, real quick. One of them is the presidential mask stuff. Uh, did you get into that? Because, like, you know, with we have Biden constantly be accusing, being accused of being a masked Biden. You, I don't know if you see on X, you'll see like Hillary Clinton and somebody will circle with a line around her neck where that shows that maybe it's a mask, and who knows what's real or not. But the presidential mask bank robbing heist thing—is there something deep
2: there? Was that sort of uh predictive programming? Yeah, that's a good point with the with the masks and with the president. Um, what I took from it was that first of all, there are four members of this group within a group. Gary Busey calls them, and uh, there's a LBJ, a Nixon, a Carter, and a Reagan. And of course, Bodie, who's Patrick Swayze, plays. He he wears the Reagan mask. Which, which signifies that he's the alpha of the group because it's the most recent, he's the biggest, it was the big 80s, and now we mark the end of that. And the characters actually die in the movie in the sequence that they were president. So, you know, LBJ, Nixon, um, Carter, and then Reagan. And it, it's supposed to, I think part of it is that the irony of the fact that the banks are being robbed by the government, by the presidents, right? In, in, in government masks. And- I also think that what's interesting is that uh the movie's successful because unlike movies in the 80s where we have protagonists and we have villains that are in big high concept don simpson era 1980s movies this one is different and it sort of signifies what became you know, of the 90s where you know we're we're not at we're, the cold war's over we're not in overt wars yet we were in iraq um in the early 90s it's a quick war but then we go into these other things and the the bad guys are they're bad guys but they're so likable and not in a way where you like like the villains like when you know with darth vader as as hasher was talking about on my stream where they're seductive but you recognize they're villains ultimately vader gets redeemed at the end of star wars but but that they use the same tactics on johnny utah keanu reeves in the movie that he uses on them which is manipulation compromise and they don't do that beforehand they're outlaws from society but they take on the veneer with these masks of, of the ex-presidents. And uh, you really like them. You really like Bodie is like the greatest bad guy because he's uh, he's kind of a neo-hippie, right? Uh, Pappas is like the, who's Gary Busey in the movie, is like a 60s era Vietnam vet. We have a new image of the FBI in the movie, which is like clean cut John C. McGinley, but it's also big data. Uh, and it's a younger audience, you know, it's a younger uh, recruitment tactic because Keanu Reeves is, you know, the new guy in the FBI, but the bad guys are very seductive. Like they're, they're outlaws in a kind of real proto-American tradition. Um, they're bank robbers, but they're also look searching for their endless summer. The craziest thing about the movie is their reasons for robbing banks because there are bad <laughs> guys, you know, remember Anthony Kiedis's group, they're like wild. They're like swerving on the highway and they're all like, right. they're, there's meth involved in all this stuff. And they're, you know. But the real bad guys in the movie they don't have expensive cars there's nothing to show on the outside for them robbing banks it's just a it's almost philosophical or zen for bodhi yeah. right um that they're doing this to be outlaws from the rest of society like that like bodhi talks about society as if it's normie right mm-hmm. and these people in their metal coffins man you know they got no idea of the ocean and its power i mean it's like nature oriented, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's very good. It's
1: dude. interesting as it's, it's a psychological study too, on how we can delude ourselves into, into doing stuff that we sort of frame as heroic, but actually is misguided. I mean, Bodhi's an, a good example, and he's infinitely yeah. likable and they do, um, you know, cultivate a true friendship. It seems, uh, yeah. Bodhi yeah. And, and Johnny Utah. And, um, yeah but just that whole aspect of framing something convincing yourself of something that it's okay even though deep down you know you're off off track i mean and we all do that right. I, we think absolutely I think that's why it resonates as well
2: yeah we we absolutely do we do that in our daily lives you know and we sort of like you said we delude ourselves I, it's bigger events than this because it's hollywood and it's There are bigger exterior events of, you know, robbing banks to support their lifestyle and all this stuff. We don't see that the bad guy, we don't see they have families. They're just young guys, you know, but, but what's really interesting is that Utah uh, Keanu Reeves immediately gains access to the group by lying about the most personal thing with Lori Petty's character. And that's how he gets an in, he infiltrates their group. Remember he tells her that um, that his parents had died in a car accident and he knew through research that her parents had passed away. So he emotionally manipulates her into feeling this kinship with him and this sympathy. And then he gets into a love affair with her. And uh, there's a great scene where she realizes that he's lied to her. And what's crazy is that Bodie never does that to Keanu Reeves. He's supposed to be the bad guy, but he never does that. He accepts him uh, as he is in the movie and as if he's sincere and he has like a brother, um, he lets him into the group. There's sort of an initiation when they play football. But then he quickly says, don't you guys know who this is, man? This is Johnny Utah, the former quarterback of Ohio State. They all know his stats. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, hey, Utah, you know. Um, but he never does that. The the only time when he does manipulate him is when he, he crosses the line and he kidnaps Lori Petty's character right and then that that draws him over the line into being a full-on bad guy but it but it is a tactic that he sort of is mimicking from the from the supposed good guy in the movie so the, the the relationships are complex and and it's crazy how the bad guys and the good guys sort of flip and and probably the most revelatory element of the movie is that keanu reeves is an fbi agent but he goes along on the robbery with the bad guys he's there he's there mm-hmm. when the ex-cop gets murdered in the in the bank Right, mm-hmm. so it that shows you a kind of truthful thing that we continuously hear about with uh, false flags and all this, you know, all the various uh, things, the shenanigans that go on. But it's it's in this movie, um, and you wouldn't think it would be something that would hit that hard from a nineteen ninety one sort of surfer. I mean, like you can imagine imagine them pitching the mu- the movie, and they're like, "Well, we got like Anthony Kiedis and like some surfers, but they're robbing banks," you know. And then there's Mm. johnny utah and it's just such a like hollywood name
1: johnny utah (laughs) it's almost so cliche that you can't believe it it sort of passed the smell test but thank god it did it's interesting too because like these are complicated characters there is no sort of like just bad guy or just good guy as you're sort of expressing you know keanu's a manipulator and a liar and patrick uh, swayze is is a good guy in many ways um just on his then hippie trip that's gone off the rails i guess yeah but it you know and not to bring up putin and tucker carlson but yeah. you know that is the effect of something like the interview we just saw is it fills out the the, it, yeah, it fills out the two-dimensional character and, and, and shows a sort of more complicated underpinnings throughout. But let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after these words on TNT.
0: TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn, Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Well, isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God. But Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I'll tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, MRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. While serving in Afghanistan,
3: I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with
0: a little help and a lot of work that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but
3: they're all struggles and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam
0: Alexander. May your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. CO2 sustains all life on earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: And we're back with Bay's Lit Analyzer. So, um. Do you think that Point Break could get a Top Gun treatment? In other words, Keanu Reeves could bring it back. I guess Patrick Swayze's left this mortal coil. But, uh, yes. you know, I mean, talk about, you know, how great Top Gun was. This could be rejuvenated for
2: sure. Yeah, they, well, interestingly, they tried to, they did a reboot of Point Break. Um, oh, Which they is did. not really, they did. And exa- exactly, uh, it's not even worth, you know, they tried to redo it for today's sort of youthful generation and make it more extreme but sort of more stylized in a in a weird way because the movie's already stylized but it's because it's the 90s they tried to reboot it it didn't it's you know it's 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 what it's whatever but um it's not it's not the original uh with with top gun i mean the top gun thing is is actually very important because the top gun maverick movie came out at a time when movies weren't being made and the whole world was shut down And I don't really put any stock in the Oscars except for a a few different, for a few different reasons, but they owe Tom Cruise an Oscar. If that's what they use as their thing, then they owe him an Oscar because just for the simple fact that he executive produced the movie and then it saved the the film industry, movies that are that big uh, allow lots of other independent movies to be made just with the money alone. And it, it sort of, gave people one thing to that was a spectacle that was outside of all the events that we were seeing um, that allowed them to sort of just like release and have fun. And I think it's great. I, I, I like, I like Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise is the great Hollywood guy. Um, But I don't see that happening with, with, with point break because of the lack of the patriotic element. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I,
1: I mean, I totally agree. I, you know, the thing is, I like an art arty film as much as the mm-hmm. next guy back when I was younger, we would always go to, What was it called kim's video on on avenue a and you know peruse all the sort of artsy films and be hipper than hip with what we chose and it was like the same thing as going to the record store and like finding the most far out music and you know, strapping your identity to that and that you would never like, sort of like in a, in a New York city party, if somebody said, Hey, what's your favorite movie? You would never say point break, (laughs) you know, in those days (laughs) or top gun. But like the fact of the matter is some of this stuff that's like entertainment. That's, that's just so good, you know, and and, that it, it, it sort of defines an era and it does get overlooked at the big award shows because it's not considered important but then as time passes it turns out to be actually important it actually because it defined an era you know top gun is a good (laughs) example of that and i think maverick like you're saying and expressing will certainly be that too and you know think about you know 20 years from now people are going to still be watching that because it's so well done and so entertaining like that counts for something as well it
2: does absolutely it it counts for no matter what the film is it, it, it can be the most intellectual film but if it's not exciting in a way and not just—I'm not talking like blockbuster Hollywood action, exciting. I'm talking that you relate to the characters in the story, and that there's something visceral about it. Then it doesn't matter; it won't work. Um, and it, it's funny you bring up the Top Gun thing and Point Break and like art house, and also Avenue A because I lived on East Eleventh between between A and B. <laughs> so, I dude, exactly I lived on I, mean. I lived on Avenue A
1: between Tenth and Eleventh for during That's you know good. early COVID days. I was right there. That's crazy,
2: uh, Alphabet yep. City. Right? Um, mm-hmm. So, so, um, but there is a movie. called. So you remember Kim's called,
1: video? You remember Kim's mm-hmm. in two boots and renting movies
2: there? Yeah, yeah. And I lived, I li- I lived right around from the corner from Tompkins Square Park, and uh, yeah, right by Charlie Parker's house. Yeah, yeah. I lived next door to the the dude who did Super Size Me. Remember that Michael movie Moore? About Mac- oh no, 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 not Michael. The Moore. other no, Morgan kid, Spurlock, yeah, yeah. Right. the guy lived next door yeah. to me in <laughs> <No> the apartment <laughs> next door. And all that movie made me want to do was go to McDonald's on First Avenue. <laughs> so, but but um, there's a movie called I think it's I think it's Destiny turns on the radio. It's one of the movies that Quentin Tarantino didn't direct, but he acted in. And there's a great monologue, classic monologue that he has, where he talks about Top Gun and he says uh, what the movie is really about, man. That you know. That that Maverick and Iceman are actually in love. It's that you know it's a it's a it's a funny clip from the movie, but but I think that's important in this sense because Tarantino is one of the guys in Hollywood lore that sort of represents the crossover from independent movies to big movies, and right. it's funny that one of his big monologues as an actor is about Top Gun. So it's mm-hmm. it's edgy it's it's edgier than people give it credit for um, to discuss you know such things and. And, and part of the reason that Point Break was so successful is because it's got real surfers in it. it. It had Anthony Kiedis, like, right around the time of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. He's in the movie, right? That will be a waste of time, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like a grunge, you know, L.A. version of a grunge movie. It launched, like, MTV Sports and all this stuff. Um, but I think it's also important for now because with the Oscars coming up, the big movie of, the, of this past year, the most successful movie was Barbie. And although Barbie looks like a blockbuster Hollywood movie, and it was because it's a doll that every, you know, every, every um, girl had and all this stuff, it's actually an independent movie at heart, right? It's like, is it Greta Gerwig? Um, and, it, and it kind of functions like a, it's got a independent film sort of like sense of humor about it. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not judging the movie good or bad in this instance. I'm just saying it, that's the reason that the movie worked in the mid nineties, there was a big thing with Fargo and a bunch of the independent movies where they finally got recognition as major movies in Hollywood. And I Mm. think Hollywood is sort of always late to catch up on those things. Um, but, but those movies are a few and far between now, you know, there's hardly, there's hardly anything, um, that we can latch onto as people, like with real human beings and real, real situations. Yeah.
1: Well, the Coen Brothers did it too, but there's there's certain people that make it arty enough, and it's not cheesy. Like with the Coen Brothers, yeah. for instance, where it's like Independent Spirit. It's very entertaining, and it's art artful enough, and and well done enough that it garners Oscar attention. But what I'm what I'm saying is you gotta like give a little of that to the cheesy flicks. I mean, Rocky is an example of one that just yeah. absolutely uh did that because it was so moving and so well done. But it has like cheesy connotations. But then as the series went deeper, Rocky two, three, four, it gets like sort of cheesier and cheesier. And then so of yeah. course it gets completely overlooked. So I think that they need to give like sort of uh not be so repelled by cheese factor allow for a little of it because because uh you know as time moves on we see these movies are sort of deeper than maybe at first glance
2: yeah they've got to. they've definitely got to give a a spot for a sense of whimsy right and irony right and 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 without crossing over into to topics that they do that that are temporary for instance if they use humor then you know it's a sort of a temporary humor it has to be something that's that's sort of classic and i guess the way that they do that is by playing the truth of whatever it is so even if it's funny and it's ironic it has to be truthful it has to be something that people relate to uh on a human scale and even you know on a personal level and for years to come uh mm-hmm. is what make, i mean cuz cuz point break and rocky and predator and Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. I mean, big movies have to have a sense of of humor about them, Uh, even though they um, can be about the worst, like hostage situations and the worst things. Mm -hmm. You have to have things that relate to the audience. Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer did this really well. Like, I mean, they did this with um, even Armageddon or uh, Bad Boys, you know, when the characters are not too serious about themselves, right? The great... The great John McClane line in Die Hard, right? Come to, come to the coast, have a few laughs, you know, is the one moment in the movie mm-hmm. that like sells the movie because he's mocking the entire situation and it's like a quiet moment. So it allows the audience to like, to go, okay, this is a guy that I want to be here with him. Like, I, this mm-hmm. guy's going to save me, but he's not a Superman, he's not like a cold Superman hero. Right. If that makes any sense.
1: No. It makes all the sense in the world. It, Yeah, the other aspect that we'll move on after this, but just the point break thing, robbing banks, you know, the economic uh, insecurity that a lot of people are facing. this is poignant for this day and age as well, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking along those lines. Like there's desperation growing and growing amongst the masses. And so, of course, these these ideas spring from that.
2: Absolutely. It's also something that Americans um, have an affinity for. Right. Bank robbers, cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians are are themes where the, you know, the especially the American audience has this sort of kinship. It's in our DNA as a country where we go, the outlaw, what are they rebelling against? I mean, it's in the notion of the foundation of the country. The guys are breaking laws and they're fighting against mm-hmm. tyranny or oppression. So that sort of translates into the fact that, especially if they have families or they're doing it for some sort of virtuous reason, we we give them a kind of a, a pass a with pass. certain things in, in terms of the movies. Um, Heat is a even great example of
1: that. It, even if they're doing it, yeah, Heat, yeah, that's another great one. Yeah. Even if they're doing it for their endless hippie summer. But let me ask you that's about, right. I, I want to get your take on the Vladimir Putin, uh, Tucker Carlson interview, because I'm sure you have an interesting take. And I also want to talk to you about Apple's Vision Pro and what this means for your work, but first, uh, address the putin tucker carlson interview what what was your take on that
2: okay well my immediate take because i watched it uh, right when it came out and my and I've, I've watched it again since and and my immediate take is that i knew that many people and it's fine to do this but would latch on to the mechanics of the interview right instead of the substance of the interview so in other words people want to why didn't he ask the tough questions and that's a perfectly valid you know point or why didn't they do this or you know didn't do that but I think that um listening to the words of the guy is important uh whether you agree or disagree he gave a 30-minute speech or uh, a 30-minute um complete history of russia history since the lesson, 800s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and so i think that uh i have a friend who who said this is why russians are great at chess you know because because the american the western audience wants an immediate soundbite they can latch onto and they can judge Right. Yeah. But the counterpoint to that is, what he was saying there, again, did agree or disagree? What he was saying there is he was making a case and a logical argument for the reasons that things happened from his point of view, right? Which is that this is a long time coming. This is a complex situation that's twelve hundred years old, it, and it deals with the identity of his people um, under the umbrella of a common faith, um, a, a common language, and a sense of family. And that's something that you can, those are uh, legitimate points that you can agree or disagree with. Um, I, I couldn't help but when I was watching it, just think of, I'm reading this, I just reread this Shakespeare play Coriolanus, which is his final uh, history uh, historical tragedy. And there's just clear correlations with this in terms of what power represents and class. Um, that I see in this interview, it's crazy. Because one of the themes in the interview that was sort of brought out was was the lack of communication, right? I remember Putin said a number of times, like, I made a decision and I said this with your president at the time he went through, you know, four presidents or whatever it was. And they made a decision. And then later I met with members of their advisors or, you know, deep state who canceled out those very things. So the elected guys talked and then the unelected people said something else. made the
1: decisions. Yeah,
2: they made the decisions. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, he asked the question, like when was the last time you talked to Biden? He said, I don't even remember when they made other decisions about a peace agreement. And he said, who's there to talk to? I thought that was probably the most telling thing in the whole interview. Who's there to even talk to? And it just <laughs> makes it it makes it it makes us as Americans or Westerners looking at these things. And we go, well, what are the other what are the other guys thinking in the dialectic that's set up and it goes, well, we don't know because there's no communication. I found that very odd, you know, very, very telling in the interview. So I know, I know the big people want to discuss the, the policy and the, and the war. And that's of course, but I thought just on a basic level, the way that power works was really revealed in a number of ways, um, in the interview.
1: And, and what do you think the fallout will be? Do you think this will have an effect on the consciousness of Americans in general? I mean, do you think this will break down their trust in the media even further? What do you think the fallout from this interview will be?
2: No, it won't do any of those things. Um, I think that, oh, well. in fact, it'll it'll just entrench what people already thought. Of course, that's not everyone. I'm talk- not talking about all people, but uh, people in general, not to judge, but people in general sort of, um, if they don't have discernment to, to listen and then make decisions about whether they, they think the person is being sincere or disingenuous, then it, then that will never change. Um, and it's just, I think it's in, in Coriolanus, again, like the leader is ousted from Rome and his only recourse is to go and talk to his former enemy. And that's how he gets back into Rome and he tries to sever power from that point, but he has to go to the other side to do that um there's also they they make this guy consul of Rome and then he has to put on a robe of humility to like gain the favor of the common people but the the patricians in the play the elites say why even bother with this why even bother with the electors or the elections we can just appoint him and I think that's that's entirely relevant for now um and for the kind of system that we live under Putin referred to it as the collective West you know our globalist system um there are plenty of counter arguments against that but i just thought it was uh just highly revelatory for what we live in people just need mm. to watch most people won't even listen or watch it right or they'll read the tweet about it um but won't listen to even a 30 second soundbite. so you know uh that's not to say i don't I'm know how faith in the way people are but i don't
1: know yeah i don't know <laughs> how you could ignore it I w- i watched it you know the moment it was released and i watched all of it i mean it was it was fascinating. I mean, we've been living over this hangover for a long, long time, and I wanted to hear from the other side. I've read speeches by him before, so I, I kind of knew what to expect, but it was interesting for sure. All right, let me take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these words on TNT.
0: With his expert analysis and opinion,
1: this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea.
3: Oh, no. Could the squad soon be a thing of the past? Well... Based on the hot water that Democrat representatives Cori Bush from Missouri and Ilhan Omar, her brother's wife from Minnesota, are in, all signs point to yes. Outcome likely. What am I talking about? Well, according to Representative Byron Donalds of Florida, Cori Bush has diverted campaign funds into some questionable security expenses, In Omar, was filmed in Somalia saying she's Somalian first and Muslim second. Didn't seem to be a mention of the United States or her oath of office to the constitution in there. The sooner we're well shot of these people, the better. They're clearly here based on intersectionality, not intellect, and nothing will become them so much as they're leaving. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's news talk, TNT.
1: Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome.
3: Prediabetes does. One in three adults has prediabetes. But with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. And you can change the outcome. Take the one minute prediabetes risk test today. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org.
0: You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast
1: on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, they look goofy as all get out, but those Apple, big Apple goggles, the uh, Vision Pro, uh, you know, I have to admit, I you know, at first I was like, I don't need that. I don't want technology to be better. I want to escape from technology. I'm already trapped in my phone too much, as I'm sure most of you are. Um, So it's like, why would I want this to get better? But a couple days passed and uh, I watched Casey Neistat's video, breaking it down. And he then said he edited the video he made within the the space that the Vision Pro provides. And he had this massive screen where he could step up to it and take things and do this. So with a creative process, Promise that maybe this would uh, you know give some sort of creative uh equipment that you wouldn't otherwise have I had to go check it out I went to the Apple store they set it up like I was about to take an acid trip they were like you might get emotional don't worry it's okay if you express emotions and I was like dude what do you just put the goggles on my head and I had my daughter with me too and I'm like by the way she's gonna have to I'm gonna have to show her what it looks like as well and he was like that that's not possible it has each one is set up so i was like he was like can she handle 30 minutes and i was like i didn't think she could but i i said yes and she was on my lap the whole time so like she wasn't running around the apple store by herself it was like this (laughs) but and funnily enough she was entertained for some reason that whole time and she believe me if she wasn't she would let me know and I would have to bail up from it but anyway the experience was incredible um there's this sort of aspect of it to where you're in an environment and it tricks your brain into thinking you haven't really seen these like sort of spaces of dimension uh ever really i never had i mean these sort of three-dimensional spaces that you that your brain is tricked into believing are real and so suddenly there's a bear walking by and you're like you know a couple 10 feet away from a bear and it looks real it tricks your brain into thinking it's real you you know it's not real but It just made me think like, where's this going pretty soon. These are going to be fancy little cool looking glasses and they're going to throw everyone into the environment. So it's the evolution of instead of technology, constantly getting better by little phones, getting sleeker and better and better cameras. Suddenly now we're at the age of diving into the technology rather than the technology being externalized. And the difference makes your phone seem like a VHS tape by comparison to today's standard technology, for instance. So I'm wondering what Bayes thinks of all this, because obviously he breaks down films. Um, Already, this is going to be an incredible environment to watch films in. You could have films all over your room. You can have giant screens. I mean, the home entertainment, and this isn't an advertisement for it. I've decided not to get it. And there was oppressive aspects about it. And I don't really want to get one. So I'm not trying to Ad- advertise it but i'm just sort of explaining what it's like but anyway based have you checked out the vision pro and you must be attracted to it on some level just for analyzing films if not making live streams and all the rest of
2: it uh, first of all i think it's hilarious that the guy said you might get emotional <laughs> what oh, a yeah. wild thing what a world we live in what a wild Dude.
1: thing And they're reading it from a script. You could tell it's a script. They're setting you up for an emotional connection with this thing. And there is an emotional connection within it. The other thing is it'll capture real life memories. Like you remember, here's that Juliet Lewis movie. What was that one where the guy was like looking at his visors and and reliving the memories of her on the roller skates? And
2: remember that movie, Strange Days? Uh Yes, a Strange yes. Days. Which, by the way, who directed Strange Days? Catherine what? Bigelow. Who directed? Oh Point my Bank? god,
1: dude! <laughs> yeah. That that movie is straight up predictive programming. Because on mm. the level of being a parent with a two and a half year old, dude, I can capture that stuff, and and it will be as if I'm in that environment with her. That's tempting because you know those days are limited. And also that she would be able to see that and, and, and be present with her own former self. I mean, who knows what the ramifications are of that? And we're trying to not yeah. live in our past all the time anyway. And in that movie, Strange Days, that guy was kind of like a junkie and junkie for memories. And I think that this is predictive programming of where we're heading with this technology. But anyway, give us your analysis on the Vision Pro and what it means and are you going to get it?
2: Well, there are a lot of films that deal with this. There's Strange Days. Uh, I think One Hour Photo is the one with Robin Williams that deals with this, where he's editing past lives. Minority Report, where they're wearing the you know it's minority the reports. goggles. Um, the the show Debs. The show yeah. Debs by Alex Garland, which he's got a new movie coming out. But uh, Alex Garland's show Debs deals with this with using quantum computing to uh, recreate memories um, that are not synthetic, and it's about you know, sort of alternate realities and, and the multiverse in a way, but it deals with this sort of thing. There's a movie mute, um, that deals with this. There's a lot of movies that, that hit on this. Um, and I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that technology, one is, hour is, photo,
1: one hour photo, Mark
2: mm-hmm. Romanek.
1: He, yes, I actually, yeah. he wanted one of my songs for that movie, but I had the word devil nice. in it and in mm. that made him not use it. It was very mm. close. I almost had a song in that movie. Anyway, go ahead. What's your analysis? You know, I,
2: well i think that you know technology um uh, on its surface is not evil um you know uh it's it's how we use these things and as we go into the future we all know that these they're going to become a reality it's like we have the phones we had cameras then we had film and then we have cell phones we watch films on cell phones we have you know we watch tv and our in our homes. Uh, we had the Google glass that kind of failed. We have Oculus, we have this, and then, you know, eventually Neuralink and body mods, which I know will become a reality. But I think the, the, the danger is when we start to, like you said, trick our minds, when we start to trick our minds into a false sense of what's real. Right. And it's fine. It's fine. Cause art it, you know, is reflective of reality. It's something outside of ourselves. We're recreating beautiful scenes and, and it can, I'm sure it can be used for, uh, you know, mind exploration and, and and exploring the world around us and informing us and all of those things. Um, but again, it's, it's discernment and the danger of, of sinking into that as life. And especially when it comes to memories um, and memories of loved ones, I think it's particularly, it can be, it could probably be in particularly insidious. Uh Maybe people said the same thing about when they had the daguerreotype in the 1800s, you know, how, how are you going to make this devil image of, a, of somebody who's not there? He's on a piece of paper, but but it's what we put into it. Um, I'm certainly, you know, interested in all these things and I, and I like technology. Look at us. We're here talking now live and, there's, you know, people all over the world and we can do this in real time. Um but I know it will probably become a reality with movies. I know that Spielberg uh, stated that after during the writer strike and, and after uh, COVID that the days of the cinema were going away and that movies were going to be geared towards home viewing. And I think this is what he meant, you know, not watching on a television, not with a home movie theater. But with something that was highly personal and personalized Dude,
1: it's a 360 environment that's three-dimensional and your mind thinks it's real i'm telling you man this is not like an oculus or google glass this is apple doing what apple yeah. does and i guess even without steve jobs i mean this feels like a major advancement it's like It is us stepping into the computer world rather than the computer still being all fancy outside of us. It's, it's like that it's, and it's only phase one. Like I said, I mean, they're gonna get good right now. They're huge. They're expensive. They're kind of like a burden on your face. They look ridiculous, but imagine when they're Ray-Bans, and imagine or them. When, when they're or when con- they
2: are body mods, when they're when they're clipped onto your eyelids, right? And yeah, or contact. You have a neural link. right?
1: You know, yes. and dude, you you look you look at the thing, and you close windows like this. You swipe like this. It it, it sees where your eyes are going. Your eyes are now the mouse. It's it's wild. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's not and glitching. I'm sure,
2: that's crazy. Maybe this is maybe this is the big technological great leap forward that you know. We've had a uh, a dearth of technology for so long, where nothing's really changed. Is that the right word? Dearth? I don't think so. We, we, we've nothing's really changed, right? We had the iPod and the, and the smartphone, but nothing's really changed in a huge way uh, in all this time, right? We get little modifications, and maybe this is the the big next step, like the leap from you know the Walkman to the the smartphone, um, but in a bigger in a bigger virtual you know immersive immersive environment. Um, there, you know, imagine imagine watching a movie at like your, the
1: greatest movie theater of all time, but that's in your bedroom. But here's one aspect of it that's kind of weird is at, at currently and maybe you can if you have two of them synced or something, but they're very sort of a, it's a solo enterprise. You can't share the experience. My instinct yeah. was to try to at least share the experience with my daughter and blow her little mind, you know, uh, but I, I couldn't do that. And so that's yeah. funny.
2: It is a solo thing. It is a lonely thing. Another movie that did this was uh, Demolition Man. You remember they put on immersive goggles uh because sex was outlawed so they had mm. to, they had to have their relationship in the virtual world. And I think that's probably with all of this that ends up being one of the major so i mean big data is through those things um so that'll be one of the major things but i think that it reminds me of the psychonauts and of dreams you know of, of dream world like we when we when we dream it's like we, we don't know what happens but we some somehow access the noetic realm and we're sort of outside of ourselves or or and then also inside inside our own minds and this seems like a, not on its surface but But that level of detail and that level of living in an alternate reality seems to be like something that's uh, psychic driving or uh, to have a clear, a a clear insidious intent. Um, And I don't know if, you know, who knows if that's the case and everybody will make their judgments with those things. But I'll be interested to see the developments and how, how accessible they are. Also, how much do they cost? $3,500,
1: Thirty five hundred bucks. I mean, that's pretty prohibitively expensive. But I, you know, the the main concern too, and I guess online people were complaining that they couldn't access porn on it. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be. But able I mean, to. Yeah. as soon as they're able to, and as soon as there's yeah. little like a little like flesh bot, I mean, there's going to be people that yes. are going to be dying in their bedrooms for sure. I mean, yeah. it's they will not be able to leave. It'll be like. It'll be too intense, I think. The you know there
2: there was a there was another film that came out. I just remembered I, I did an analysis of another film, uh, the Harry Styles film. Um, I forget the name of it, but it came out last year, which dealt with this exact thing. They're living, they're living this reality um, in a perfect '50s world. But then when they break from reality, they're living at home in a dirty in a dirty coon pod, you know, uh, in this mm-hmm. place. But you know, with their with their cloud goggles on or whatever. Um, but it, it just. I, I don't know um I, I i it's interesting to hear you talk about the success of it and how immersive it is and how it's it's a completely 360 degree environment and but bears walking out into you like when you're trying to cross the street walking with this thing is crazy dude it's nuts yeah. it's
1: really really nuts and of course it's it's phase one but mm-hmm. you know i i, I I, I think it's what it's going to ultimately happen is people are going to become really confused about what is a digital landscape and what is reality and those worlds are going to blend ever more. and reality is going to have more digital elements and then obviously digital reality is going to be, um, you know, much more accessible and every day people are going to be walking around with these glasses and in these digital landscapes and there will come a time when um reality and digital reality are sort of so intermingled that people really don't remember which reality they're in
2: yeah um there's uh, obvious ethical questions uh, dealing with this with what's real and what's not and how much one bleeds into the other and what are you responsible for anymore right how, and how can you even tell the difference um i'm sure we'll we'll come down the line uh norm mcdonald has a great comment on this just to bring up i always try to bring up norm mcdonald because uh, he had a brilliant comment dealing with this which is that um in the past you know you couldn't look at pictures but in the future you'll be able to look at your your you know here you want to see every moment of my life ever you know, here you are. In the past, there was one picture of a granddad slopping his. Arms. I
1: know Van Gogh. There's only one sha- shadowy picture right. of him at the Van Gogh Museum. Bay's Lit, right. thank you for coming on the show, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Tell people where to find you, real quick. Yeah, find me at Bay's Lit Analyzer at YouTube. Uh, thanks a lot for having me, sir. Very good to see you. Again. Thank you, you. Baze. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Keep listening, everybody. We'll be right back with more after these words on TNT.